Come on, somebody. I'm so excited to be here in Dallas, but it's hot. <laughs> and uh, now God is doing amazing things in your church. Absolutely love. Uh, it just Your pastors are some of the best, not just the best leaders, but the best people. I love the way they love their family. I love the way they love each other. I love the way they love you. I'm letting y'all know that you're not just a church that's like doing church here in Dallas. You're, like Churches are benchmarking you all over the world. And so I want you to give it up to your world-class leaders. Come on, somebody. Your pastor, Earl and Onika, love you guys. And uh, Irene and I, Irene sends her... Her love, I've been married, uh, it was 20 years in June. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, my wife is the luckiest woman in the world. And uh, we have three amazing uh, children, 18-year-old uh, Kayla, 17-year-old Jaden, and Maya, she's 13. And we have two English bulldogs. Come on, come on. And uh, God, a man needs a best friend. Uh, but I pastor this church called I-5 City right outside of Baltimore. Before I jump in, this is just a little by way of introduction. You may say, well, what is I-5? Well, the I stands for impact. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. And he says this, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick and in prison, you cared for me. And that's where we find the five missional points of our church uh, in Baltimore. Food, water, shelter, clothing, and care. And God has called us, I believe not just our church, but the big C church. That means your church. That means your personal church right here to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus not just in church on Sunday morning but in your workplace come on somebody at your school wherever you are you are the church in other words church don't start when service starts church starts when service is over because I am the church the church will go to Popeye's today and get a chicken sandwich and so I love our vision uh, at our five and I love what God is doing in Baltimore and uh, just how many of y'all know that Baltimore needs Jesus? Come on, come on. So does Dallas. And uh, I'm just I'm excited for life-giving churches. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. Amen. I'm going to jump right in. Is that all right? I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 2. And, and we're going to kind of pick through this passage of Scripture. But before I do that, I want you to look at your hands. Everybody look at your hands. Come on, look at them. Some of y'all hands is ashy. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Some of them haven't been cleaned for a while. And, and uh, uh, some of you, you couldn't get the paper towels out because you were waving the hand. Don't you hate when a paper towel don't come out and you try to... But I want you to know those lines, those, the, 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 that print that is on your hand, no one else has that but you. That is God's signature on your life, which means you have a call, which means you have a purpose, which means God has given you gifts, talents, skills, and abilities to live beyond yourself and change the world. Pastor, well, why is that important? Why is that important that I can only do what I can do? Because this church needs you. The more people that come in with their gifts, their skills, their talents, their ability, the more people we can reach. You are a world changer. You didn't know you were sitting next to a world changer. Come on, look at the person next to you and says, you're a world changer. Look at the person on the other side and says, yeah, even you, even you, even you. It says this in Mark chapter 2. I'm going to start at uh, verse 1. It says, when Jesus... Return to Capernaum. Several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Let's just pause right there. That the news spread quickly that Jesus was back home. Now, y'all, come on. This is pre-social media. This is pre-Twitter. 
This is pre-Facebook. This is, I'm talking about the news is spreading quickly and crowds of people are following Jesus. Why are crowds of people following Jesus? Because Jesus is doing miracles. Now, I'm all for a great marketing plan, but can I tell you in the kingdom of God and in the body of Christ, the best marketing plan is a miracle. The best marketing plan is that blinded eyes see, that deaf ears are open, and God starts using the unqualified. Says Jesus was back home. I love that word home because I'm a, I'm, I'm a sports fan and I'm not going to tell you what team I root for because it's like in direct opposition of your team. We're not very good, so I'm not going to talk trash. But we wear burgundy and gold. And anyway, the news spread quickly that he was back home, but I understand the power of being at home. I understand the power of having a home church. I understand the power of the home field advantage. How many of y'all know about the home field advantage? When your team has the home field advantage, no matter how much they are down, there are more people for them than against them. No matter if you have the home field advantage, you can't wait to see your people. The atmosphere is conducive for winning. That's why I love the local church. When I get to the local church, it's like having the home field advantage. There are more people for me than against. Me. I feel like I can win when I have the home field advantage. Marriages are coming together. People are finding hope and discovering purpose. People are walking in freedom when you have the home field advantage. It says the news spread quickly that Jesus was back home. But then there's some tension in this passage of scripture. It says soon the house where he was staying, Jesus, was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside of the door. Man, like, like Jesus has called this place to be packed. People are getting healed. People are getting set free. I don't know what kind of church this was. Was this a, a black church or a white church? Were they clapping on the one and the three or the two and the four? Were they wearing skinny jeans or baggy jeans? Were they playing guitars or B3 organs? What kind of church is this? It don't matter what kind of church is it when Jesus is home inside of the church. So they're having church. Now, can you imagine? Like, uh, theologians would say, if you study this passage of scripture, that this church, this house, could be Peter's house. So, like, Peter wouldn't have been my first choice, y'all. Like, I'm talking about Peter, the one who would step out on faith and then sink because he took his eyes off of Jesus. I'm talking about Peter, the one that Jesus would say, get behind me, Satan. I'm talking about Peter, the one who would betray Jesus. But you know what I love about Peter? You know what, I, you know what gets me excited and fired up that this is Peter's house? Is, is that that shows me that God can use anybody. That shows me that I don't have to dot on my I's and cross all my T's. Matter of fact, come on, somebody. The, the, the more jacked up my past is, the more Jesus is a part of my purpose. I love the fact Peter lets me know. You mean Peter? You mean Jimmy? You mean Earl? God using Earl? God didn't mess around and use Maybelline? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Some of y'all caught that. Some of y'all did it. <laughs> Says that they were so packed. So I like to illustrate this. I'm going to give you the Jimmy Rollins cliff notes. So in other words, Simon Peter is planting the church in Jesus' city, Capernaum. Simon Peter. 
Like, what am I going to do for the first? Who's going to play the keyboard? Who's going to show up? Who's going who's gonna to be, like, like, like who's going to do stuff? Like, but he's trying to figure out who's going to be the guest speaker. Simon Peter done messed around and booked the Son of Man. Can you imagine that introduction on the stage t- today is the one, come on, somebody, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley. He turns blind, come on, somebody, blind eyes and see. He wakes up in storms or seas. Yahweh, the omniscient one, Jesus. Can you imagine being the production leader, having to meet with Jesus, um, Father, Son of Man? You got 30 minutes. Now, how do you tell Jesus? He got 30 minutes. How do you tell Jesus to make sure he, he watches the clock? I'm so Jesus like, listen, get behind me. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. My Father, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. We're going to have church all day. We're going to call it Capernaum Apostolic Center. What happened to this church? That's funny, ain't it? It says there was no more room. What do you mean? Jesus is in the house, but there's no more room. Jesus is touching people and healing people, blinding eyes. And we can't, we haven't made room. People, we don't have enough people to serve. We don't have enough people to work parking. Yeah, all these people are lining up, and there's no more room. Could it be I don't want to be the kind of church that Jesus has caused the house to be full, but the people inside the house ain't full of Jesus? Church ain't for us. I am the church when I, I got to make room for paralyzed people. I got to make room for lost people. I got to make room for people that don't like, like, look like me. I got to make room for people who have a different skin color than I do. You see, if my church makes room at work, the church has more room on Sunday morning. I got to put more room around me. I got to make more room at the football game, more room at the grocery store. I can't ostracize the people that Jesus wants in the house. Says there's no more room. So guess what? Four dudes, four people decided we're going to make room for people. It says this in verse 3. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. It says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Four guys said, I'm going to live beyond myself. Four guys said, I'm going to love beyond my preferences. Four guys says, I'm going to be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. For God says, uh, uh, we're not going to have the great omission, we're going to have the great commission. For God says, no one left behind. For God says, I'm not going to just go to church and seek a title, but don't be willing to carry a towel. Four guys. Four guys. I want to be one of the four. I want to be one of the four that's reaching lost people. I want to be one of the four that's making room for people. You see, you have to understand that the fingerprint, the handprint, the purpose, the skills, the abilities that God has placed in your hand, it's to make room for people who are just kind of like you. If you got a testimony right now, you'll say, God, can you use my testimony? If you got a past, I believe God can turn your past into your purpose. When you start allowing your greatest misery to become God's greatest ministry in your life. Four guys. Four guys, four guys t- said, I got to rip the roof off. It says this, it says they, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the church people. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of religious people. They couldn't bring him to Jesus, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. 
They lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. And verse 5 says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed guy, my child, your sins are forgiven. For the next few minutes, I want to preach from the topic, rip the roof off. Come on, somebody. we got to take the roof off of this thing. We've got to take the limits off of this thing. We've got to make room for lost people. Aren't you glad that Shoreline made room for you? Aren't you glad that when you showed up, there was a parking team? Aren't you glad that when you arrived, there was a welcome team? Aren't you glad that when you showed up, there was good music and people serving? We've got to make more room. You mean to tell me God can use what I got in my hand to make room and rip the roof off? Absolutely. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called and he doesn't use you because of you he uses you in spite of you let me just give you a little testimony I am a walking talking breathing miracle that God can use anybody got kicked out of Bible college because I put somebody in the hospital come on somebody he said the wrong word to me come on somebody I, I couldn't spell I had dyslexia I could barely read I was pushed through high school my past is jacked up but I thank God that God could clean me up and guess what he's making it count for something I don't know what you have been through but God has the ability to make it count for something greater than you just surviving you weren't meant to survive you were meant to thrive I'm here to tell you Jeremiah 29 God says I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future I don't know what your past looks like but I came to declare that your best days are ahead of you, and no weapon formed against you is going to be able to prosper. I'm one of the four. I came. Come on, y'all. I pre I'll have black church up in here today. Rip the roof off. We got to rip this roof off. We got to reach more people. We got to expand the kingdom of God. How do we do that, number one? If we're going to rip the roof off, we got to move in power and in purpose. Man, I came from a church, man, they moved in power. Right, like power. Like, you didn't have church unless some rose was messed up. There was about 10 Jericho marches. Come on, so any of y'all come from old school church? I'm talking about the kind of church that, you know, unless there were tracks on the altar. I'm not talking about piano tracks. <laughs> you didn't have church. It's the kind of church I come from. Yeah, what happened today? Oh, God moved. Oh, what happened today? Oh, we had church. There was a fish fry after church. Oh, my God. Church was amazing. Did anybody get saved? Did anybody work in purpose? You see, the power is for the purpose. I'm telling you right now, there's a greater purpose. The Holy Spirit comes to what? To make us, Acts 1 and 8, be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part. The uttermost part is beyond your hand. It's beyond your comfort zone. The power comes that you can be a witness, a living, breathing, walking, talking testimony that Jesus is in the business of freeing people. Mm -hmm. Purpose and power. I don't want to just have power. I want to walk in purpose. I want to, and Jesus gives this instructions to the disciples. It says, go and make disciples of men. Right? It's a great commission. He's talking to disciples. So if he's talking to disciples, for disciples to go to make disciples of men, they can't stay. Because if they stay, they're trying to make disciples out of people who are already disciples. And what that is kind of like, it's like fishing in an aquarium. Who fishes in an aquarium? That's weird. Those fish are already caught. Why are we trying to catch people that are already caught? 
How about we be the tangible hands and feet of Jesus in our workplace? Come on, somebody at school, at college. You're a businessman. You're like, well, I got employees. Yeah, those aren't employees. Those are potential church goers. Come on, somebody. Those are potential people to get on mission even though you give them a paycheck. And power and purpose. And in, in, in Baltimore, it snows a lot. It don't snow here. I'm talking about one year we had the kind of snow where white people was losing their kids. <laughs> they go outside just lost. They just... I knew exactly where mine were. One there, one there, one there, one there. Except for my wife is biracial, so one, I think that's them. I'm not sure. So it snows so bad. Don't judge me. Don't stereotype me. I know you're going to try to, but I got to tell the story the way it happened. And, and electricity was out for a week, and then I got a passion for the electricity to come on, not because the lights were out, but because there was a freezer that had chicken in it, and that chicken would not walk in its purpose to be fried unless I generated some power. Don't judge me, because then the flour wouldn't walk in purpose, the season all wouldn't walk in purpose. The, so I had to make sure that this generator came. So I called, I called the hardware store. They said, we can't buy it online. You got to show up. So I was like, cool. They're like, hold your spot in line. I got there. I held my spot in line. And this lady, she cut. And, and she was, you know, of an older generation. And so I, God ain't all the way through with me yet. Like, he's still working on me. And I'm about to say something. Then I got to make sure she don't go to our church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I held my spot. And I got this generator. Man, I took this generator home. I started plugging the electric fryer in it. Come on, somebody. I plugged the freezer and I plugged the refrigerator. Everything that did not have power, I began to plug into this generator. It was awesome. I even told my wife, make sure you plug that curling iron in, girl, because your hair is a. This <laughs> years ago. That was at like year 10. Don't do that. <laughs> then. We just moved a couple months ago, went in the garage to get everything together in that generator. Man, I was so concerned about it one season. I, was, I loved it one season. It was sitting over in the corner. My son, he came in to help us move. He said, Dad, what is that? I said, it's a generator. He says, what's its purpose? I said, well, its purpose is to things that are powerless to plug into it so that they become power to generate power and things that don't have power. And he says, well, what good is it sitting in the corner? And I started thinking about the church. We cannot be relevant in one season. Plugging lost people into the power and then get comfortable because there's more people here and get comfortable because, you know, well, we don't have any more seats, so we're not going to do anything else. Yes, you are. Why? Because the church's job is to generate power to lost people. We got to plug divorced people into the power. We got to plug for people who don't have, who are trapped in unforgiveness into the power. I thought you could clap a little bit more right there. Why? Because somebody plugs you into the power. We got to move in, in power and in purpose, but we can't because of the crowd. No more room. Man, says four men arrived carrying a paralyzed guy on a mat. We got to stop being so concerned with having church. We got to start being the church. I believe this, that the power of the church is in the hands of Christ. But the potential of the church is in the hands of his people. Pastor, why do I need to sign up to serve? Because there's potential. Why do I need to be a part of a serve? Why do I need to be in a small group? Because there's potential. 
God has potential, and I'm telling you, we've got to move in power and in purpose. Number two, we've got to be moved compassion with compassion. If we're going to rip the roof off of this thing, we've got to be moved with compassion. There was one time I got so sick, I had to pull over on the side of the road. My son didn't even have his license yet. I was 420 pounds. Had congestive heart failure. And I pulled over on the side of the road. I needed to get to the hospital, but I was paralyzed. You know what I was so thankful for? That that hospital had an ambulance. And on that ambulance was a paramedic. Pastor, what are you talking about? What I'm saying is, is you have no idea how God wants to use you as a paramedic in an ambulance to get lost people, to bring them back to the house of God that don't have the potential to get there on their own. Compassion, man. Man, where am I on the compassion meter? I got to have compassion for lost people. I got to have compassion. I've been asking these questions. Here's a good question. I've been asking myself, does my heart hurt? For the things that hurt the heart of Jesus. Compassion. Has my compassion been hidden behind my judgment? Has my compassion been hidden behind my preferences? Compassion. I said, God, how, how, how do I keep my compassion high? And he said, look at the mat. Now, this is an exercise mat. It doesn't know me very well. But for the sake of this illustration, we'll use it. Compassion. Pastor, how, how do I keep compassion? The guy said, look at the mat. He said, all right, I'm looking at it. He says, no, don't look at the guy on the mat. Remember when you were on the mat. No, 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 no. I'm talking about before you knew all the words to the song. No, 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 I'm talking about before you understood grace and faith, when you thought there was no hope. Do you remember when your marriage was jacked up and you were on the mat? Do you remember when you had no hope? Do you remember when you were suicidal? Yes, you ran the big company, but you had no purpose and you didn't feel fulfilled and you were on the mat. Maybe you're sitting in a college dorm room and you're like, I, I don't have my parents on here. I feel lonely. I feel isolated. Nobody gets me. I'm on a mat. Imagine this paralyzed guy on a mat. I don't understand. He's paralyzed, but he can hear. He can hear that people, Jesus is doing something in the house. He can hear that something amazing is going on. The problem is, is he can't get there himself. He's stuck and paralyzed in fear. He's paralyzed in addiction. He's paralyzed in religion. He's paralyzed in racism. And sometimes I feel like we're so busy trying to get to Jesus. That we haven't made room for someone on the mat. Man, I remember, I remember when I was on my mat. Can I be completely honest with you? When pastoring started our church in 2012, I was a pastor on the mat. I was leading the church, not leading my family. I could preach to thousands, but couldn't talk to the one I laid next to every night. And what happens is, is I, I started being tempted with success. And there's, there's, I believe this, there's nothing worse than being successful at the wrong thing. I was on a mat, man. My marriage was on a mat. I was pastoring the church. I was staying in hotels. I didn't have a relationship with my kids. 
I had a great kids ministry at church, but no relationship with my kids. I could take care of the bride of Christ, but couldn't and didn't like my own. So now I got compassion for people whose marriages are jacked up and they're on a mat. And God is now, watch this now, I was pastoring. Uh, I've been in church my whole life. And, and I was a pastor now. Our church will be seven years old. And this November, my wife celebrates four years of sobriety. I said a whole lot right there. Uh-huh. I refuse to leave people on the mat. We've got the send me mentality. I had it. God, send me to the nations. Send me to the four corners of the world. But before you go to the four corners, can you grab one of the corners of your coworkers, Matt? One of the corners of your neighbor's mat. One of the corners, I'm telling you guys, I did it. I know what it's like to be there. I didn't come from Baltimore to be above you because this stage is higher than you. I'm on the same level as you trying to struggle through this life, trying to save people. And I've decided that, guess what? God will heal you as you go. I found out that I didn't have to. I thought I was going to lose everything. I had no idea that pastors and leaders would now be calling me and DMing me and saying, oh, I'm addicted and and I need help, and I had no idea God will use your greatest men's misery to turn it around in the ministry. Keep compassion. I'm sorry I deviated, but that's what I feel, man. I feel like there's some people in here that don't know that you matter. You don't know that your story matters. You're sick in sin, and your mind is telling you, give up. Your mind is saying, but I came to tell you, you are sitting next to somebody right now that will grab the corner of your mat and says, what do I need to do? Well, see, what those four guys did is they put a small group around this guy on a mat, and they says, we're going to get him to the house of God. Why do I need to be in a group? Because I can't carry myself sometimes. I need accountability. You know what accountability is? You need people in your life that knows what you're created for and also what you're capable of. I need people on my mat. I had pastors. I had friends that I would see and I couldn't fake it no more, y'all. There's nothing worse than being fake and phony. Got to rip the roof off this thing. Got to get real in the church again. Got to be honest. Got to be transparent. Got to be vulnerable. Because I want to be free. Man, I'm free today. Let me tell you something. When you put down shame and pick up your voice, the enemy can't remind you of who you used to be because you done already told everybody. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. The enemy ain't got nothing on me no more. If they write about it in the paper, I done already said it. It won't be a surprise to nobody. You got to put down shame and pick up your testimony. I feel the spirit in this place. I, I feel, I feel, I feel the spirit of God. Somebody came and you says, man, I don't need a sermon. I want to touch the spirit of God. I want to get close to Jesus. And, and why? Because there's, there's been no room. You felt like there was no room for your issue. Can I tell you, there are probably hundreds of people with your issue here right now. And if those hundred people would get free and start saying, look what the Lord has done, there would be an attraction that comes to this church that has never been here before. Can I encourage you, Shoreline? You ain't seen nothing yet. I feel the kingdom pulling.
pulling, lost people pulling, addicted people pulling, broken people pulling, people that are in debt. Feel it. These four guys get back to the house. There's no more room. What do they do? It says they ripped the roof off. How did they get to the roof? They took steps to go higher, to get a kingdom perspective, to see how they could change the front door of the church. The front door of the church is no longer a bumper sticker. The front door of the church is no longer your Instagram account because that's your highlight reel. That's not the front door. The front door is the stuff you actually don't post. It's called your test. The front door is us being real. They got there and they ripped the roof off. And they says, we'll do whatever we can do to get this guy to Jesus. And they lower him down right in front of Jesus. They didn't lower him down in front of a worship team. They lowered him down in front of Jesus. They didn't learn him. They didn't lower him down in front of a small, they lowered him down in front of Jesus. Man, I like that woman with the issue of blood. She says, I'm going to do whatever I can do to get to Jesus. I don't care if there's people. I don't care if there's a crowd. I don't care if I'm going to be talked about. I don't care if I'm going to be ruled about. Let me tell you something. There's some college students in here that you've been hiding your testimony. But today, you're going to declare the goodness of God. You're going to declare that I'm a child of God. You're going to declare that you are on mission to bring people to Jesus. track and field program. A church doing track, yeah, I wanted to change the front door of the church to get people that were paralyzed, that would never come to church, but I would be the church and take the church to them through track and field. And so this year, we have graduated, seven years later, six kids to D Division I college scholarships fully played that came out the hood. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Why? Because we were ripping the roof off. Why should I invite people to church? Because we ripped the roof off. Why should I tell my testimony? Because we ripped the roof off. Why should I serve? Because we ripped the roof off. Why should I praise? Because we ripped the roof off.
positive male influence in his life. She started serving. She had to come to the dream team one day that when we train our volunteers, she didn't come to the dream team one day. We had set her up for salvation. At the end of that dream team one day, I gave a salvation call. She says, yes, I want to be saved. Her son got saved. Her daughter got saved. Her mom was going to a traditional church in Washington, D.C. Her mom came and says, what in the world is going on at that crazy church called I-5 City where the pastor is wearing Jordans? If Jivin takes Jordans to rip the roof off, I'm gonna wear them. Miss Faye, Miss Faye showed up. April's mom, she had a church hat on. She's blocking about 10 rows behind her. Just wanna give you that detail. Miss Faye gave her life back to the Lord, been in church her whole life. Never left our church since that day. Two months later, Miss Faye got diagnosed with terminal cancer. I was a young pastor. I didn't know what to say. I couldn't preach. I, was, I just went to the hospital because I was told to anoint people with oil. So I got some Crisco. Come on, somebody. Took it to the hospital. I said, Miss Faye, what's God saying? He says, God's saying that he's going to heal me as I go. Miss Faye started serving. You have no idea that when you're serving other people, God is serving you. When you're serving God's house, God is working on your house. When you say, well, I'm not ready yet, God says, that's exactly where I want you. I don't want you to think to give anybody else credit for what I'm about to do in your life. Miss Faye had two months to live. Two weeks went by, Miss Faye served. Three weeks went by, she served. Six weeks, eight weeks. After chemo, her hair started growing back. Two months, three months, four months, six months. Two years later, Miss Faye sent me a text and said, I have been healed. I have been set free. Watch this now. Can I encourage you? When you rip the roof off, God, you have no idea. God was not after April. I don't care how many times you, you said, I'll never do it again, and you ended up doing it, or how long you've been in church, or how many times you got baptized. Today is the first day of the best day of the rest of your life if you'll give your life to Jesus. Some of you, there's some distance in your relationship with Jesus, and you know there's distance. Right now, there's a spirit in this place. There's evidence all around that God can use anybody. God can heal anybody. And if you right now are saying, today is the day, I just want to make a decision. I'm not even going to overthink this. But on the count of three, I'm going to count to three. You're going to shoot your hands, and you're going to say, this time is for real. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm making Jesus first. And if there was a big old fat reset button, I want to hit it right now for my life. You can hit it right now. One, two, three. Hands are going up. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Come on. Come on. At every campus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hands are going up. I want you to raise it like you put good deodorant on this morning. Make it straight all the way up. Now hands are going to Jesus. Now I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, today is the day. 
Well, I make you Lord. I make you king. I make you number one. I hit the reset button on my life. And now my pain can count for your purpose. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. Come on, I'm free in Jesus' name. And everybody went crazy and said, today is the day of salvation. Rip the roof off!